Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. It is a great privilege to be preaching this morning. Last week we started a new series called The Valley. Um, And last week Marty launched it with um, sharing about the valley of doubt. And we looked at some different questions where doubt is normal. Doubt is a normal part of life and it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to seek for answers and to discover how to trust God in his faithfulness and promises. And today we're going to look at our second valley in this series and it is the valley of loss. Let's pray again. Father God, you know every single person here in this place. You know their inner thoughts you know their struggles. I pray over everyone, Lord, that you will do that healing work that you need to do, that you will speak to hearts and you will speak to lives today. I pray, Lord, that you will reveal your character and you will reveal who you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So our key series, our key verse for the series is from Psalms 23, verse 1. So let's read that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is where we are taking this series today, the valley of loss, from this verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. The encouragement with this verse is that we know that we are going to walk through. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I know I have experienced dark valley moments and I imagine everybody else in this room too has experienced those valley moments. Ten years ago, in a space of two months, we lost two of our our dear friends. One was a colleague who we worked with and he seemed and had, in his early 20s, life was going for him. He was on staff with us in our church in the hills and he was about to propose to his, um, his girlfriend at the time. And I recall one Sunday morning, um, we were sitting on the front row and our pastor was just about to get up to preach and someone leant in and whispered something to him. And we knew in that moment something tragic had happened. Pastor Jack, he got up and he preached a message, hopped off the stage, went out into the foyer. And that's when the news unfolded that he had lost his life. It was unexpected and it was not at all like what we thought was going to occur in that, in that year. For us, we went through our own grief of navigating the loss of a colleague and a friend. And also in that time, I know my personality is task. I just get my head down if I'm overwhelmed or if I'm feeling um, unsure. I'm a task mode person. I want to do jobs. And I remember it was O week and all our uni team were about calling, uh, making phone calls to the universities to invite them to church. And I'm like, nope, we still go about the mission. We're still going to make phone calls. We're still going. And then we took a moment and we're like, no, our role at the moment is to be there for our people, for the church, and to listen and be a support. 
couple of months later, Marty's best friend, his wife, had um, liver issues and had transplants over. She had two liver transplants. And then she was battling cancer. And for us, we'd been at the hospital. We've ta- we took our life group and did life groups at the hospital. And we were with Belle and Rowan a lot during that period. And then on Easter, she went to hospital and she never came back out. This was a difficult season for us, seeing your friends hurt, wondering, you're like, God, like, we prayed these prayers, we're believing for miracles, why was she not healed? I remember driving to church one day to go and do some work and just in the car and sitting there, driving and crying and thinking, wow, the world just keeps going on, they don't even know that that precious person has gone. In the valleys, so valleys are part of life. If doubt is and also worry, then loss is a huge part of life too. Many of us have dealt with doubt and many of us have dealt with worry and I suggest loss. So what is the meaning of loss? It's the fact or process of losing something or someone. We can often think about loss of losing a loved one or a dear one, but additionally, We can experience loss in other areas. So let's look into those. We can experience loss in relationships. We can experience within a marriage, between a parent, with a child. When parents separate or divorce, that child experiences a loss in that household. We can experience a loss with our friendships. Those heartbreaking losses, maybe you have experienced that. We can experience loss with our finances, with a job or with an investment. You made an investment and you got no return because the whole thing went bang. You can experience loss with your home, experience loss in your health, with sickness and different diseases, or even moving. Like, you know, when you move, you experience loss of leaving friendships behind or the home that you grew up in for many years. You can experience loss with that. You can also experience loss with your reputation. You can lose, you know, like the integrity or your name or who you are can get a bit flawed. Your character. As mentioned before, you can experience loss with life of a death of a loved one or a friend. You can also experience loss in regards to dreams and plans that you thought were going to happen. We can experience loss in one of those areas or all of those areas. And if you paused for a moment, you'd probably identify with some of those areas of loss in your life. So if loss is a part of life, how do we handle it? How do we get through? What can we learn from loss? Where is God in all of it? So we often talk about seasons in life. I actually run a program at the primary school where I work called Seasons for Growth, and it's all about loss. And you do it in a small group setting. And it's quite interesting because we can relate loss to seasons in our lives. And all of us have different view or a different lens in how we see seasons. Let's put it up on the board. Um, This is child friendly for you today. Often when we think about summer, some people's view is, yes, I just love summer. I love it because I'm at the beach, I'm on the boat, I'm swimming, I'm eating prawns and having the best time ever. 
other people, when they think of summer, they're like, oh, 40 degree days, this is insane. And the sand, it is irritating. Like we all have a different view and a lens in how we view summer. Let's talk about autumn. Some people think, yes, autumn, it's getting a little bit cooler, those leaves, they're starting to change colour, those beautiful colours that we see out there. For some people, it's the experience of, you know, picking up those leaves and crinkling them and hearing all the different sounds. There's the experience of that, raking the leaves and then jumping in them and then dad's got to rake them again or mum, depends who does that in the household. So some people view it like that, that summer, I mean, autumn is the fun. Where others, it's like, oh, it's getting cold. I don't want to leave summer. Winter, for some people's view, it's like, yes, those hot chocolates. Who loves hot chocolates? Snug around the fire with your oodies and just sitting there and having conversations. Where other people's approach is, no, it's shorter days. It's freezing cold. When I wake up in the morning, it's pitch black. Or spring, when you're walking along the footpaths and you start to see those beautiful yellow flowers coming out and there's new life and there's new shoots. Where for other people, for spring, it's hay fever. Hate it, hate it. Sneezing, itchy eyes, runny eyes, um, runny nose. But we all experience different seasons in the natural, so therefore we're going to experience different seasons in our own lives as well. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. So what can we learn about the natural seasons? What we can learn is that we're not going to stay in one. We're not going to remain in winter all of our days, but we know just like the cycles of life, we're going to come through and we're going to go through summer, autumn, winter and spring. You might be in this room today in a winter season and struggling and feeling like, Lord, what's going on? Where are you? Can I encourage you? Spring is coming. One person in the Bible who knew a lot about suffering and a lot about loss was a man called Job. Now, there's 42 chapters in that in that book. We're not going to delve right into it because that's a whole series in itself. But we're going to pull out some things from this man, Job, and learn how can we get through loss and suffering. So here's a bit of a short version of who he is. This man, Job, straight away it says in verse 1, he is from Uz or Oz. Not Oz, that's Aussie. Uz. We know that he was a righteous and a godly man. He was blameless and he was upright. He was a man that feared God and shunned evil. Job, he wasn't only righteous, he was also very wealthy. We also know that this man, throughout the book of Job, he was tested by God And we also see that he was even more blessed by God over the course of that time. So over Job's household, there was a debate between Satan and God. And Satan was arguing about Job's character. 
Yes, this man was blameless. He was righteous. He had done nothing wrong. He had an amazing home and household. And Job was, Satan was challenging and saying, you know what? If Job didn't have all of those things, he would curse you, Lord. And so God allowed that that hedge of protection that was around his household to lower and allowed Satan to strike him. So let's have a look at this. Though there was one thing I will just say, God said to Satan that you cannot kill him, you must spare his life. So in all of this, across the chapters of the books of Job, there are different areas of Job's life that was attacked. It says in there that he was attacked and his oxen and his donkeys and his servants were killed. That fire fell from the sky and then there was more livestock and more servants that were killed. There was a wind that swept through the desert and he lost his home and all of his children. That is pretty extreme. It's said that he was afflicted in his health and he had sores over his whole body from the base, the soles of his feet, all the way to the top of his head. They were a flesh eating disease and it talks about in the bible how he's using like this knife thing to like scrape his flesh eating disease job his friendships were strained he had his friends turn away from him even his wife was similar she's like you know what i've had enough just curse god and die that was her response to him so job has experienced i think all of those losses that I shared. He experienced loss in his relationships, his finance, his health, a loss of a home, a reputation. He's had death in his families. Wow, I think he's experienced a lot of loss in his life. So what can we learn from Job about loss? Point number one is we are going to grieve with hope. So in the midst of all of his suffering and in the midst of all of his loss, Job didn't pretend that everything was fine. He didn't put on this brave face. He didn't try and hide his pain. Instead, he grieved openly and he grieved honestly. He cried out to God saying, where are you? How am I going through this difficult time? In Job 3.11, it says this, and Job is talking to God. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? But despite all of his anguish, Job never lost hope in the Lord. He knew that even in the midst of all of that suffering and all of that pain, who was there? God was there. He was present and he could trust him. In Job 19.25, it says this, I know that my Redeemer lives and at the end he will stand on earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. And another couple of verses of encouragement to you. Matthew 5.4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Psalm 62.8, Pour out your heart to him, for he is our refuge. Max Licardo says this, loss is never easy, but it's often through our deepest pain that we discover the strength and grace to carry on. 
Billy Graham says this, God sees our lives from beginning to end. He knows the number of our days and the sorrows we'll experience along the way. But he also knows the joy that awaits us. And in the midst of our grief, he offers us hope and comfort. Amen and amen. And as we're walking through grief, and all of us I know have experienced it, may we grieve upwards. May we grieve towards him and find where our peace and his strength ultimately comes from. Point number two, allow loss to deepen our compassion for others. When we have experienced loss and we've experienced pain, we can actually be, be more empathetic and compassionate to those that are around us. I know when um, I've been able to give compassion to people when they've experienced either the loss of friendships or, or, or experiences or moving, I understand what that's like. And I've also been on the receiving end when I've lost loved ones. I've had people come in my home and sit on my lounge, bring a meal and just sit there and listen. Not try and fix me, but just be there. And I love that that's what we can do, that when we have experienced loss and we have experienced pain, we can offer our comfort, we can offer our support to different people. We can empathise with them. There's some friends of Job. Let's look at Job 2 verse 11. When Job's three friends, Elphias the Temanite, Bilad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namanite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathise with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, this is what blows my mind, they could hardly recognise him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Job's friends initially were there comforting him, but then they turned on him and they accused him of sinning. Now, if I think of this man, Job, remember he was blameless and righteous before the Lord. So when people are going through times of affliction, it doesn't mean that they're always sinning and that God is turning his back on them. Because in chapter 2, verse 9, he says this to his wife who has just said, just curse God, just curse him and die. But he said this to his wife back. He said, shall we indeed accept good from God? Shall we not accept adversary? In all of this, who Job was, he never sinned with his lips. He never, searched, he never cursed God or blamed God in all of the adversary, but rather he kept his heart right. For people here today and for myself as well, it's so important that when people are going through pain, we're not there to judge them. We're not there trying to fix them or make it all right. Often in those times, it's just people need support, they need our love, they need that listening ear, they need the additional prayer, they need those meals, those little check-ins and seeing how you're going. People want people to cry with them, people want people to mourn with them and just be with them. In 2 Corinthians 1.3, it says this, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. 
Timothy Keller says this, we can find meaning in our suffering by using it as an opportunity to serve others and show them the love and compassion of Christ. Who's around your life at the moment that just needs that extra love, compassion? Who can you give compassion and show Jesus to? Point number three, God can redeem our loss. So Job's story demonstrates how God can redeem such a devastating loss. He lost his household, his livelihood, his, um, his friends. He lost everything. But God can bring good out of our pain. When we're in the middle of it, we seem a bit hopeless and we're like, really, God? Right now, it doesn't feel like any good can come from this. But can I encourage you today, in our pain, God can bring good and he can use it for his glory and for his good. In Job 42, it says this, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. It says in the Bible that the Lord blessed him and gave him twice as much as he had before. Previously, he had his seven sons and his three daughters, and he was blessed again with seven sons and three daughters, and they were more beautiful than any other female in the lands. Like, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? it says it in the Bible. In verse 16 and 17, it says this, After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man full of years. I know that's what I want to live, an old woman full of years. (laughs) 1 Peter 5.10 And the grace of God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while himself he will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Scott Saul says this, God is not only the one who is with us in our suffering, but he's also the one who is making all things new, including our brokenness. If Ben would love to come up, up on the keys right now as we come into conclusion But there is a beautiful picture which I'm going to show up on the screen right now. And this is the Japanese art of Kintsuji. It calls for seeing beauty in the flawed, the damaged and the imperfect. The broken fault lines are now lined with precious veins of gold, making them stronger and more valuable. And God does this with us. We each have been cracked. We've been shattered into places. Yet he carefully puts us back together in ways more spectacular and beautiful than before. I am so thankful that this is what God does with us. When we have been broken, shattered, pulled down, destroyed. God comes and he mends us and puts us back together and makes us more beautiful and more valuable. Because why? Because we are children of God. We've just come out of Easter where we are remembered. We remember that he, Jesus Christ, went through pain and loss. He, in a sense, is the greater Job. 
Jesus. He experienced the loss of his loved ones, the betrayal of his closest friends, the agonies. Can you imagine the agonies of death and torture for us? His journey of death and resurrection gives us a hope among our lost. Amazing, with Job's story, it ends with restoration of his health and he is blessed with more children and wealth. And this is what we see with our God. He died, but yet he rose again, full of health, vitality, strength, crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. In Psalms 23, it says this. Let's read it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He gives us all that we need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He takes us to that beautiful stream or river. He just gently leads us and He takes us there. He's not forcing us. He's like, come and sit. And you know when you're in those moments of grief, you know, you don't want to be pushed or hurried or, or thrown into the water in the deep end. But our Lord, our shepherd, who we follow, takes us to this beautiful brook, this beautiful stream. He says, sit and drink. He refreshes my soul. No one else can refresh your soul. You know what? Social media, turning to the TV, turning to drink, turning to different addictions. No one else can do refreshing of our soul. Only He can. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, and when I picture that, just picture these like massive mountains beside you. They're all rocky. And you're like, you're pretty far down deep in the valley. And as you're walking through, it might feel dark and bleak. You might even feel quite lonely in that valley. But as you're walking through, who do we know is walking with us? Jesus Christ. He is walking along with us. Even though we walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The amazing thing about Job is in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. And maybe you're in this place right now and you've experienced loss and pain and maybe you're needing someone to talk to or help just walk with you through it. We would love to reach out um, and we know of a lot of different services as well that can help, but we're here for you as well. The team, the staff, we're here to walk with you. But maybe you're in this room and you have experienced loss and had tragedy. And maybe in your heart, you've like got a little bit callous in the sense of putting that callous over your heart and blamed God for those different moments that have happened in your life. And it's okay to question God. It's okay to ask why. But can I encourage you not to allow your heart to blame Him or curse Him with your lips, but to soften your heart. And with every head bowed right now, we're not going to have a hands up moment for this because I believe it's a personal moment where maybe you've just like, God, I've lost trust in you. 
you said you were going to do this, but it went a different way to how I imagined. Or maybe you experienced loss in any of those areas, relationally, health, finances, friendships, and you haven't understood why. And it's okay, you may not ever understand why. But the one thing that we can know is that God is constant and He is with us. And with just your head bowed, eyes closed, maybe God's just speaking to you right now. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm sorry, like I've blamed you and I haven't, like I've kept my heart wrong towards you. God, I repent right now for having those thoughts or blaming you. Or maybe you haven't trusted God that he isn't going to do a miracle again. I remember our dear friend Rowan after he lost his wife and we're believing for other things and he said, but my God is still a miracle working God. Maybe he didn't. His wife, she got the greatest answer of all. She went to heaven, the greatest miracle. But can I encourage you that our God is still a miracle working God. Over every person here today, Lord, heal hearts. Let them lean into you during this time, Lord. Minister to hearts and lives today, Jesus. And we believe, Lord, that God, you're going to restore where things have been lost, whether it's houses, finances, relationships, that God, you can restore it. You can restore it, Jesus. Even if he doesn't heal this situation I am in, I will still praise his name. Even if it doesn't work out how I think it's going to go, my confession will remain that he is God. He is the miracle working God. Thank you, Jesus. There's a greatest miracle of all, and that's the miracle of salvation. And right now you're in this place and you may not yet know Jesus Christ. I'd love to invite you to meet him today. And all you have to do is in your heart, and I'll ask you just to lift up your hand so I can see it, but most importantly, it's so that God can see it. But if you would love to receive the greatest miracle of all, Jesus Christ, that your life is heading in one direction, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, you're having a 180-degree change in your life. You are heading doomed for destruction, but because of what Christ did on the cross, your life is changed.